Hey everybody, welcome back to Spin is a Four-Letter Word, the Maroon PR podcast. All things PR, marketing, media, etc., etc. This is John Maroon joining me as usual. Matt Williams, our VP of Media. Matt? Good to be here, John. Thank you. And our silent but deadly producer, editor, videographer, etc., etc., Brittany Everett, waving wildly. Thank you, Britt, as always. Today we have a good friend on the show. Uh, it's John Lazarow. He is the Senior Media Relations Manager at the Greater Baltimore Medical Center. Uh, GBMC uh, has been a client of ours for several years now, and they're just wonderful to work with. They're on the cutting edge when it comes to disseminating information to uh, their, their clients and their patients and uh, they do a great job, and John spearheads that. Eric Hammond, our uh, account director, and and Sylvie Rogers, our account coordinator, oversee that account. Um, but it's really good to catch up with John today. It is, and you know, look, they they're a great client, and they do important work. And it's it, you know, we've been through the ringer uh, over the past few years now with regard to hospitals and healthcare, and so it's really going to be great to have his perspective on on this and how he has managed to work with us and to get the get the word out on all the great things that they do you know that you have to be creative in this crowded landscape and he and he's very good at that john thank you so much for joining us today on spin is a four-letter word uh john matt thank you so much a pleasure is mine and and yeah it, it's been great working with you guys and getting to know uh you john matt and and the whole staff over at, at Maroon PR, and I want to thank you uh, for this opportunity today. Well, it's an honor working with you and the team over there. And, you know, it's, it's a good time to be speaking with you because it feels like we're finally emerging from this pandemic. And the work of the front line and healthcare workers, but everybody in the, in the healthcare system has been remarkable. But, you yeah. know, stre- the stress put on you guys has been been something else uh just to kind of kick things off john share with us how gbmc worked through these challenges kept the workforce motivated positive kept the wheels on the track yeah you know for for my perspective and you know i have um a family member who works in the healthcare industry and uh, you, you can i think the word challenges doesn't do it justice of what you know took place you know when covid um, broke not just around the country and in, their, in our region, but, you know, here in Baltimore and, of course, in, in, in with GBMC. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the challenges were immense. I mean, they were they were huge. Um, you know, not there was a lot of questions, not just about, you know, uh, COVID, but how are we going to handle it? How are we going to treat it? We didn't really know much, right? You know what I mean? So there were a lot of challenges. And I have to say, from a personal perspective, and I think many would agree that, Healthcare workers really do God's work. I mean, um, yep. you know, I, they they are what they do, the services they provide, the care that they offer. Um, I, I, there's no words, right? You know what I mean. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. You know, it was it was a tough tough job to you know, like I said, because there were so many questions, so many things flying about keeping the workforce um, up to date, up to speed, letting them know what's going on, not just from a day-to-day work basis, but also, you know, COVID-related. You know, what what do we know about COVID? What what are we knowing? What are we learning? Right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, one of the things that we did to kind of keep our workforce informed is we we pretty much held what we called frequent uh, 
virtual town hall meetings, and there was a lot of internal messaging as well, right? So we use, you know, internal messaging process, you know, virtual town hall meetings to keep our workforce up to speed about, A, what do we know about COVID, and B, how are we responding to it, okay? But for us, and I think for leadership, and I give leadership a lot of credit, it was beyond letting them know um, about COVID. It was about letting them letting them know how much they matter and how much their hard work is valued and appreciated. And you know, um, um, the there's a there's a Chinese proverb that says that action uh, triumphs words, right? So one of the things that GBMC started was what we call the wor- uh, Healthcare Workers Fund. You know, uh, this was created. Uh, by our philanthropy department um, in the early days of the pandemic to support our employees' various needs. Um, this was money that was raised through the community and through other means, and 100% of these donations uh, to this day continue to benefit our uh, frontline providers who are still dealing with the effects of the pandemic, uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And I have to give major credit to the community and our patients and, you know, for people that stepped up and uh, donated food and masks, um, especially early on from the pandemic. The community support was, uh, I don't think there's a word in the English dictionary that, 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 can, that can define how immensely important it was and fantastic. And I mean, it was just, it was great. And um, also internally, you know, we had to help keep the um, workforce uh, fed and nourished. We had snack distributions. Um, you know, for our workforce uh, that was, you know, staying beyond hours, helping our patients, um, you know, it was just a lot that went into it. But I think one of the biggest things that really left a mark on me was the public recognition on social. Um, some of our staff members um, uh, shared photos uh, across many social media platforms. Um, ED staff, for example, holding hero signs and some employees' personal stories were shared about their lives, how they were impacted, and this really helped to validate their work and pretty much inform the community about the difficulties that healthcare workers were facing, right? And then we also had messages of thanks from people like Ray Lewis and Cal Ripken. And today, now we have this huge wall of gratitude that is in the hospital by the old main entrance with messages from the community about, you know, not just the services they provided, but but the work that they do and the support, I mean, we've had it from people as young as eight years old, you know, send messages of, of support to people as over 90. Right. So um, I think those are the things that we kind of had at our, uh, I don't want to say disposal, but kind of helped in, in, in helping our healthcare workers get through this uh, pandemic, which, John, you mentioned, I hope from your mouth to God's ears, we're, we're at the end of calling <laughs> this an endemic if we can, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, John, this is Matt. I, I, uh, I think what, just what you said is, is true. I think everyone appreciates what the, these workers do as, as frontline people, and there, there's no doubt about that. I, I think from a – I'm really interested to hear your answer on this question because we work closely with you, and we're really fortunate in, in having a client like GBMC because – in many ways, you know, it's it's a real it's a target rich environment for a PR professional. You know, you guys have so many great stories to tell, and one of the things that we love to do, and I know you do too, is position your people as experts in their field. And, and there are so many great experts at GBMC. 
Um, and then during this pandemic, you know, there were opportunities to do that. But we're interested to see how you feel about this because we we loved doing that. But at the same time, these these professionals have <laughs> real full time jobs that, rather yeah. than to talk about their profession and to, and to the media on a, on a on a particular subject. So, how did you balance that? Uh, you know, asking these folks. Um, to participate in, a, in an interview about their particular subject when they had a real job to do? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Matt, and I, and I appreciate you asking it. I, I have always had a rule of thumb, uh, whether it's been during this pandemic or, you know, before the pandemic and it will continue, is I will never, uh, for, uh, I don't say force, but encourage a physician, nurse, or someone to do a media interview at the expense of patient care. That, to me, has always uh, been, you know, first and foremost, right? Course, yeah. Physicians, doctors, those in the medical field, their priority job one is to provide the care to, to their patients that they would love, that they would want for their own loved ones, right. okay? So that's first and foremost. With that said, though, we, we try to look at ways of trying to accommodate um, to, to get physicians, nurses, uh, medical experts to participate in media interviews. One thing that we did was we, you know, a lot of these uh, members of our, of our staff that, that, that are in our clinical staff, you have to remember they're not, not just physicians, but they're also educators, right? Okay. Okay. So I think the most important thing that we try to do is remind them that as physicians to do these media, media interviews, they're, they're also educators. Right. They're educating um, our workforce, they're educating our patients, they're educating our community. And I wanted them to understand the value that they would bring to be part of what I try mostly to defer as educational opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Okay. I don't want to say plays on the harp spring, harp strings, but what I'm saying is, is that if you provide it in that way, it, it kind of helps because if you say sometimes, well, we want you to do this media interview, they're like, oh, it's a media interview. I, I just don't have time. Right, right. right. But if you if you give them uh, the opportunity to say, we need you to educate the community. We need you to educate our workforce. We need you to educate our patients. Okay. The other thing that we did, uh, and I have to give a lot of credit to the marketing and communications department, my colleagues, we created this studio um, w- within our department that we used for TV, um, sometimes even radio interviews. Uh, it was a studio that, you know, with a camera and a backdrop, and it was easier for our physicians to come to the studio and not have to drive to a station, for example, to right. do an interview or have a member of the media come up. Because in the beginning of the pandemic, you have to remember, stations were not allowing guests in their studios, right? Okay. And of course, in, in to, for safety measures, we were not allowing, you know, uh, visitors and, and, and members of the press onto our physical medical campus, okay, because we were all trying to do what was right to protect each other, you know what I mean, from the transmission of COVID. But we came up with these uh, ways that allowed us the opportunity to still do these media interviews in a timely manner, if that makes any sense. It does, so, yeah. um, you know, I think that was one of the things that um that we did uh, the other thing um that you have to keep in mind i i always try to have uh, a three deep roster right right so mm-hmm. for for certain medical specialties i have a primary secondary and a tertiary not based on experience or anything just making sure that i have three people because if the first person second person third person can't do it 
you know, if the first person can't do it, then the second one can. Right. If the second one can't, the third one can, right? Sometimes you just, you can't. And sometimes you just have to pass on it. But again, um, you know, those were some of those things um, that we worked on. And I know I worked on with you guys, with, with Maroon PR. Sure. And, you know, you guys would say to me, we have these opportunities. Can we get it done? You know, we had, it was a, it was an extremely fine balance between their workload, patient care, and of course, the deadlines of the journalists, right? right. Um, but I think we had good um, strategy in place where we we didn't get every single media opportunity. We would have loved to, but I think we got a good fair share of because of those things we had in place. Yeah, I definitely think the systems you guys had in place and being super responsive was so important because – we're in the we're in the hospital capital of the universe, and if yeah. if GBMC isn't available, they're going to go down the road. So that uh, that's a really good point. Hey, John, talk a little bit Can about I, you. before before yeah, we yeah. get to you know I, I got to give a lot of credit to the members of the incident command team. They played a, a huge role in the communication efforts to internally and also assisting me with externally. So I want to give my my colleagues and my friends and the members of our incident command team. Uh, throughout this whole pandemic, a lot of credit because they were truly uh, good partners in, in in these endeavors of, of education, not just, again, the, the, the staff, but also the community and our patients. No, for sure. Look, it's a valid point. I think, I think that there's a lot of hats off to them, right? Because there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that cannot make telling the story a priority and not understand the value of externally speaking and just get on with their lives. And so you're the group at GBMC, thanks to a lot of people over there have made that a priority and have been super responsive. And as a result, the brand, the GBMC brand continues to grow and building off of that, John, a little bit, I, I look at you guys as being really ahead of the curve um, in, in the healthcare space, the way in which you, Utilize every avenue available to talk about GBMC and your areas of expertise and whatnot, like your podcast, you're really active on social, use of traditional media, even advertising. So talk a little bit about how you and and Greg and the marketing team and everybody's kind of stayed on top of the trends or the best uses of your time or, you know, what's going on in the industry these days to tell the story. Yeah. You know, I think one of the major reasons why we were, you know, and thank you for for your kind words. They were so, as you said, forward thinking, you know, especially in the beginning of the pandemic is, you know, many of us on the marketing communications team, you know, we really couldn't do, I hate saying this, like normal jobs, right? Um, So we needed to find ways to be productive and helpful to our community, to our patients, you know, to our staff, right? So, you know, I hate to say this, on top of everybody else who was confused about everything that was going on with the pandemic and COVID and everything, so were we, right? You know what I mean? We we were experiencing the same confusion that the rest of the country, um, the rest of the region, the rest of the state, you know, the rest of the community was experiencing. And, you know, we, you know, as a team, I think, um, you know, from a personal perspective, really uh, did a good job in you know, getting to work on getting straight answers from our own experts. You know what I mean? And we really considered certain opportunities or avenues beyond what we normally would do before the pandemic 
to share, you know, the information that we came across, what we found out, um, you know, in, in a timely manner, you know, in, in a vast manner. Um, and, you know, we adapted to communicating more virtually because of our digital team and the marketing team. You know what I mean? It's, it's amazing. You know, there's an old African proverb that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. And I have to tell you that the marketing team really did the latter. Yeah, yeah John, I, I think you guys seem to have used, you know, so many of the, of the tools that are necessary to these days, you know, mm-hmm. to, to get, the, get your message out there and to, um, you know, to, to take advantage of non-traditional, you know, avenues to do that. Um, and one thing, I, you know, you've been in this business a long time um, and you've seen how things have evolved from, from just pitching traditional media to the other tools that we have to use. Um, how have you seen it evolve and, and, and do you have any ideas about what it'll be like in the future to, to, to work in our business? Cause you've been in it as, you know, certainly as long as we have. Well, well, dang Matt, I, you know, thanks for aging me. I, I really um, <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. Um, sure. You know, okay, so let's look at, you know, I talked about um, ways that the digital team, you know, we looked at ways of quickly adapting to communicating, right? Okay. Um, you know this. We, Dr. Chisar, our president, CEO, John Chisar, our president and CEO of the GBMC Healthcare System, did weekly COVID updates, you know what I mean, that we shared with our staff that we shared with the members of the community that we shared with the members of the media. Okay. We also had uh, media partnerships with WBAL radio, for example, we did several COVID town halls, right? You know what I mean? And we used, you know, our physicians and our staff to address the questions from the community uh, to address questions from our patients via WBAL. Uh, we used, of course, you know, uh, Fox 45 and, and WMAR and, of course, W. So we used a lot of what I call earned and paid media partnerships to get the information out there to address the questions from our patients and the community. So that I think that addresses that one part of your question. Yes. Now, as far as, you know, my time in PR now, and again, thanks, Matt, um, <laughs> I will say – that I, you know, I've been in, I've been in PR now since the mid '90s, right? So I think we've all seen how the newspaper industry has changed, okay, and how the newspaper industry has, has gone, has morphed itself to more of an online service than anything else. And I mentioned TV and radio, and we can see um, how it's, it's still a valuable um, resource, okay? Um, you know, of course, there's we talked about earned and paid media, and you know, I think. As far as PR is concerned and how the future, I think there's going to be a lot of that continuing, you know, uh, paid media partnerships. There'll be opportunity for earned media opportunities as well, but I can see that continuing. I think one of the things that has really evolved and we'll talk about since we're already on it is the podcast and social media, right? Um, I'm talking about entities like GBMC, for example, not just, you know, the healthcare industry. Many industries are using uh, social media platforms and avenues and podcasts to get their stories out there, to promote their folks to their followers. Okay, it's a very valuable tool. Uh, we use it. As a matter of fact, when we have interviews on traditional uh, media channels, uh, we use our social media avenues to promote those traditional media um, interviews. 
right? Okay. So um, I think that has really been a big part of the evolution of of PR. Yeah, and Lay Laz, touching on your podcast again, I I think po- it's a really interesting point because. When, when sometimes people consider a podcast, they think if they don't have a million downloads, it's a waste of time or it's a failure. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It's valuable content. And sometimes it's to a niche audience. Now, yours is a little bigger than niche, but it is of a finite audience and it's valuable stuff and it's really important content. I think it, it just adds to the fact that you need to make make sure what you're talking about is compelling, what you're talking about is valuable to those people that have an interest in it. It's just like our little podcast here that talks about public relations. We know we're, we're getting some really good downloads, you know, but and a good good number, but it's very niche. It's got to be people that are PR pros or media people or people that find this talk interesting, you know, or my wife. <laughs> and so, so I think, I think it, it just kind of going back to your point, whether it's on the, all the owned fronts, just making sure your content is interesting, valuable and compelling, um, which you guys do. And I like to add one other thing, timely, you know, I think, yes. I, I, you know, uh, it has to be timely. Right. Um, and I think that's what, you know, we, we talked about. I, I remember, um, you know, everybody's been talking about um, recently in the press about COVID long haulers, right? Well, we t- we were talking about COVID long haulers way before now. You know what I mean? Yes, the the perspective of what we were talking about was much different back then than it is now. But we addressed COVID long haulers way before um, mm-hmm. way before the last couple of weeks. Okay, I will say though, as great as these things are, and John, I don't mean to throw you under the bus or to bring to bring you out. Uh, center and center stage. But sometimes from my perspective, you know, these podcasts, social media, it's very hard to control. Like uh, what I'm trying to say is that, and, and John, you remember you, you were you used to work for the Orioles, right? You know yes. what I'm saying? Um, you know, whenever anybody wanted to talk to, let's say Cal Ripken, they had to work through you, right? Yes. Well, nowadays media and the athletes are bypassing team PR folks, agents, lawyers, I mean, athletes are using social media to address their fans, the critics, or the press. You know, I, as great as that is, that you know that that communication level, it could be a little bit of a slippery slope, right? So I mean, true. do you agree? Yes, you know? I agree completely. In fact, we just talked to um, an NFL uh, national NFL writer, and he said one of the big challenges now is as a journalist, you know, teams and athletes are trying to break news on their own. And while you totally understand it, it can throw a, a, yeah. a monkey wrench into things. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Tom Brady and how he was not happy that Adam Schefter beat him to the punch. He had a grand plan or how teams have a lot of pressure to do with their own in-house reporters. Um, so, yeah, it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah, and I think sometimes, and again, I you know, to me, I think where we come into play is, you know, sometimes you know the media will ask you a sensitive question, and you will just automatically knee jerk respond, right? Sometimes you got to take a deep breath, mm-hmm. think about it, talk about it. You know, one of the things that I like to do, and and I know because time is is of the essence. You know, whenever I have doctors doing, you know, a lot of it is, you know, um, we talk about proactive and reactive, right? There's there's proactive uh, media relations, reactive media relations, right? Yeah. So 
anytime you do either one of them, you, you want to, you know, take the person that's doing the interview, whether it's a physician, a nurse, an athlete or whatnot, you know what I mean? And it's never a question of what telling them what to say, right? You can't tell them what to say, but you can help them in how they say it, right? Like, man, hey, man, take a deep breath. Like, maybe Tom Brady should have taken a deep breath before he went on. And again, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but it might behoove sometimes to just to take a deep, deep breath. Let's think about what we want to say before we say it. Yeah, you know I think I mean? you're right, Laz. In fact, you know, I think sometimes folks – there's a pressure like that you put on yourself. And that's why utilizing public relations professionals, I'm sorry, this is a shameless plug for our industry, (laughs) but is really important because I think you need somebody to say, this feels like immediacy. This feels like an emergency. Let's take a little time. Let's make sure our message is straight. Let's make sure. I always encourage people when you're going to talk to the media whether it's in the form of issuing an announcement or doing an interview, think of what you want that headline to be. Think of what you want that story to be first and work backwards, and that will help you drive your responses to the press. You you know, you guys, when I've spoken to you guys before, I'm a a big sports fan, right? And I I think there's a benefit to when a quarterback steps into the shotgun as opposed to being under center because he gets to see more of the field, right? He gives himself a little bit of time. And I think those are the things that – you know, before responding to media, let's take the time. Let's take, let's look at the field. Let's see what's out there. Let's take the time. Let's come up with some talking points. You know what I mean? And let's just, you know, and, and say them. You know what I mean? Yep. And sometimes it's even doing mock interviews. If you've got time, I can't tell you the value of doing mock interviews um, with people before they actually go and do these interviews. It's, it's really uh, important. It's re- very valuable. And I know there's a lot of things we talk about evolution, but I have to tell you, the more things change, the more they'll stay the same. Those things that we talk about, creating certain talking points, uh, helping them relay the message, doing mock interviews, regardless of what's going to go on in the PR industry, I don't think those things will ever go away. I, I mean, correct me you. if I'm wrong. No, you're not you, wrong. You, you guys- you're not wrong, Laz. And I, you know, the thing you said about the mock interviews is really good. If you have the time, and don't. I'd encourage people to do it when you're prepping the subject or prepping yourself. Don't do it in a vacuum. Bring in other people because nine times out of ten, there's going to be a question that somebody thinks about that you weren't thinking about. And it's just a good way to kind of prepare. And, yeah, you might be knocked off your game a little bit. But, you know, media training and preparation, there is there is no replacement for it. But, uh, hey, Laz, listen, I, I don't want to take up more of your time. Um I just want to thank you because um, there's not a ton of us out there that have done this in this community for a long time. And you're one of them and somebody that we have a great deal of respect for and somebody that we've enjoyed working with um, over the years and um, looking forward to the years to come. But thank you for your insights. Thank you to you and everybody at the Greater Baltimore Medical Center for all of the insanely hard work that you've contributed to our community over the last several years. And uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate your insights. Well, I want to thank you guys for today, for the opportunity to, to be on the podcast. Again, thank you so much. And of course, you know, the relationship that we have and, and the work that we've done and the work that we're doing and the work that we're going to continue to do. I, I look forward to um, to working with you guys. And, you know, I, I really um, appreciate our partnership not just during you know times when we're promoting good news, but even 
in crisis management situations, which you guys have been uh, a tremendous help and tremendous assistance. So thank you again for the opportunity and thank you for the awesome working relationship that we have. Everybody, that is John Lazarow, Senior Media Relations Manager for the Greater Baltimore Medical Center. Thanks for listening once again to Spin is a Four-Letter Word. We'll talk to you soon. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe. Send us your feedback, too. We want this to be interesting for everybody. And give us a follow, at Maroon PR on Twitter and LinkedIn.